Hi, this is Terry Dismore, and you're listening to the Quiz the Diz podcast. Terry brings years of experience in consulting, management, leadership, and life. In this podcast, Terry answers questions about these topics, bringing wisdom from a kingdom perspective. Our website is quizthediz.com. Now here's the Diz. Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Quiz That Is podcast, and good to be with you today. Been on a couple of trips lately, so I missed one week worth of the program. Uh, was in Tucson a couple of weeks ago when it was only 116 degrees. <clears throat> That's a little warm, if you know what I mean by that. Uh, got to see some old friends, Laura Caird Vineyard and her husband, Bob. Actually, she's an old friend. I hadn't ever met Bob before. And also Tom Barkley, who was a fellow that used to network with me here in Columbus. We had lunch one day at Rudy's in uh, beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, where it was warmer in the outside than it actually was in the smoker. So it it was a hot time. Then last week I drove over to New Jersey and back. That was quite a trip. And I drove, I, I don't mind that drive. It's eight hours, but it's uh, broken up by a stop at a very nice Chick-fil-A halfway through. So I don't mind those drives at all. Well, that wasn't why I brought you to the podcast today. I just wanted to share a little bit about where I've been and what's going on. But I wanted to talk to you about gift giving today. Now, I'm not going to ask you for anything. That's not what I'm here for. As a matter of fact, this show isn't about that at all. We sponsor this show ourselves. So don't worry about that. But it's about giving gifts and about what what does it mean to give a good gift and how do you do it? Well, first of all, some people, as a matter of fact, the Bible itself, Jesus himself says that it's better to give than receive. That's true because we love to receive. We just don't like to give very much. But he didn't say that you should only give. He said he said you could do it both ways. See? A lot of people like to give, but they don't like to receive. And I, I know that sounds weird, but pride gets in the way. We're like, I, well, I can't receive that from you. So I've been taught many times over the years that if you deny someone else the right to give you something, you're denying them a blessing. And I used to believe that. I used to think, well, that's true. I mean, uh, I am denying them a blessing. Actually, you're not, because what God looks at is the heart of the giver. All right, so if uh, let's say that Bob, my friend Bob, decided he was going to give me $100, and I said no, God would already see the heart of Bob and think, you know what, I'm going to bless him more because he's willing to give. So his blessing doesn't rely on my receiving. The only one that's being denied a gift at that time and being denied a blessing at that time is me. And so I had to learn that with my lovely bride. Uh, One time years ago, I was a poor disc jockey, and uh, Nay had been sick and not a lot of income coming in, and her job had been cut off, and there were just a lot of things going on. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any food in the house. I think we had a can of beans, and I'm not kidding, in the house. So our church at the time down in New Albany, Indiana, we would go over there and get a little... uh, Oh, get a little food on Wednesday night. They had a free meal for everybody, and the whole church showed up. It was very good. And so we prayed before we went, and I just knew God was going to provide through that free meal. Somebody's going to say, hey, can we buy you some groceries? And, of course, we went to church and barely spoke to anybody and didn't have anything when we left the church. Now, I'm not sure whether this is true or not, but I kind of imagine that my attitude showed on my face. 
And so I wasn't thankful, wasn't thankful for what I was receiving, wasn't thankful for, you don't have to be thankful for the situation you're in, but you need to be thankful in the situation you're in. You always need to be thankful. And so uh, we drive home, we had like a mile to drive home, we pulled in the parking lot and we walked down the steps to our back porch and our back porch was so full of groceries and supplies that you couldn't get in. And to this day, I don't know who put them there. I don't know where they came from. I have a feeling I know where they came from, but I don't know. Nobody ever said. We had another group of people I've shared with you before that I got fired uh, in 1995 rather unexpectedly. I mean, I never got fired expectedly. But anyway, um, I got fired and we just didn't have anything. And things were running out and I didn't have anywhere to work and and uh, some friends at church decided they wanted to support us until we got back on our feet again. And uh, so we did for a while until my pride got away in the, uh, got in the way again. And it was like, well, we're not going to take any more from these folks. See, I didn't understand that it is all right to receive. Now, as I said, Jesus says it's more blessed to give than receive. But he didn't say don't receive. That's how gifts work. Gifts are supposed to come through other people to us. That's the only way they can work. See, Jesus, God doesn't have a bank account. He uses our heart and our willingness to give to other people in order to bless other people. And so often we don't pay any attention to that. We think that uh, we have to, and that's pride getting in the way. Now, there are people that run around town that all they want is to receive. Well, that's also a problem because when all you do is receive, you're denying yourself a blessing of giving to someone else. We may think, well, I don't have enough to give away. We had a friend living with us for a while, and we were talking to him one day, and he's like, you know, I really want to be a big giver when I have some money. And we told him, we said, bud, you're not going to be a good giver when you have some money because you're not a good giver now. You've got to learn to give when you don't have anything. And you may think, well, how can that be true? I can tell you that it's a principle. As a matter of fact, in Luke 6, 38, the Bible says that if give and it will be given back to you. It's a law. It's a requirement. All right. So give and it will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom and with the measure you use, so shall it be measured back to you. Now, let me pull out two or three things from that scripture. First of all, when we give, it will be given back to us. So if we deny it, we've stopped that flow. You don't want to stop the flow of something Jesus said, this is the way it works. Because he said, give and it will be given back to you. So if you're stopping the flow of that gift giving and gift receiving, it messes it up. And I can't explain it from a natural or a fleshy or a mind or logic. I can't. I just know that it messes it up. Now, that's the first thing. Secondly, in that verse, Luke 6, 38, who gives back to you? Well, now, when I first heard that question asked by my pastor, I said, well, that's, that's God that gives back to you. And he goes, no, read it again. And it doesn't say God gives back. It says in some verses, uh, versions, it says, and they will give back to you. But it's always referring to other people give back to you. I'm like, oh, I never knew that said that. I'd always thought, well, that's God giving back to us. Now, God's prompting the heart of those people, I'm sure. But it's a, it's a law of the kingdom of God that when you give, it will be given back to you. So those are the first two things. It's going to be given back to you, and it's going to come from other people. But the third thing is, 
who determines how much you get back? And this was a hard one for me to learn because I'm like, well, naturally, that's God. But again, Jesus speaking here, he says, given it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom at the measure you use, so shall it be measured back to you. So if I give sparingly, I will also receive sparingly. That comes up in Corinthians a little later on when Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. As a matter of fact, I want to talk a little bit about gift giving from that perspective and how to receive in that perspective and how to give from that perspective. So again, remember, it is given, it will be given back to you. Men will give it to you, and you're the one that determines how much you give back. So if you don't want to give much, if you hold on to everything, you're afraid of not getting enough, what you're really saying to God is, I don't really trust you to supply my need. Now, I can say from a personal standpoint, many times I've stood in that long line of people that have done that. I don't trust you. And I mean, of course we trust God. Who else can we trust? But when we say... I'm going to hold on to it because I don't know where my next nickel is coming from. That's a problem. I have worked now since 2003 in a business where I never know what my next paycheck is going to be. And sometimes I don't know when it's going to be. And I'm telling you, that's kind of tough on me. But I've had to learn over the years that it's like God's always supplied our needs. We've had some issues over the years, but I've had to learn to go, okay, you didn't you didn't tell me to start worrying. As a matter of fact, I, I joke with people sometimes. God told me once, hey, listen, when I need you to worry, I'll call you. And he's got my number, and I've never gotten a call from him. It's the weirdest thing. Well, anyway, don't worry about things. Don't worry about where all this is coming from. It doesn't mean to quit working. It doesn't mean to lay all this aside and God's just going to dump a check in your mailbox. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you actively trying to figure out what God's going to do, because I'm going to assure you one thing. You can't. You just don't know what God is going to do. So you remember I mentioned I'd lost three jobs in a year. Well, I, I did that. That happened to me in 2001. And about a year later, we lost our house. That was absolutely devastating to both of us. But in God's grace, a couple from our church that we went and lived in their spare bedroom for a few weeks, Mike and Kathy, and I still meet with Mike for breakfast a lot. We have a great time, and I remind him of this all the time. It was such a gift to us that they let us stay in that spare bedroom, but we came from a 2,200-square-foot house to a 19-by-15 bedroom. Now, if you know me, you know I'm not a tiny guy. That was tough. Now, I hadn't started traveling very much by this time, so I was home a lot, and we weren't, it wasn't comfortable to be in there. Plus, it was their computer room, and they needed to be in there some, and we really appreciated it. We t felt very taken care of, but it was too crowded for us and too much. They had a uh, little girl at the time who's now grown, got a kid of her own, and you know, it was just like it didn't work out. But we were very thankful about it. We never complained about it. So another lady from the church we went to caught wind of it and said she wanted to help us. She was a widow. She had a great big home that had an unused wing. I mean, like an entire bedroom, bathroom, sitting area, all this kind of stuff. And she said, you can stay with me until you get back on our feet. And I was like, wow, that was great. Private. It was perfect. As I searched for employment, because again, I wasn't working anywhere. So one day I was offered the job that I do now, traveling all over the country doing consulting work. So I knew I had a job and I knew I was going to start getting paid. As a matter of fact, one of my first 
talks that I had with a guy that I worked for now for about 20 years was, you know, I know you don't have anything. I'm going to pay you some money while you get on your feet. So I knew there was going to be income coming in. So I started March the 31st of 2003. It had been about eight weeks since we lost our house and about five weeks since we'd moved into the spare wing at this lady's house. So that day, the lady that owned the place told us that since I was working now, we could move out and make it as soon as possible. I'm like, well, wait, didn't I just got this job. I don't even have an income yet. I, I wasn't going to get any kind of check until later in April. We had no place to go. So Nay let a couple of friends know that, and another lady at our church heard of our immediate need and offered us the use of her totally vacant house as long as we needed. Now, when I say totally vacant, it had furniture and stuff in it, but nobody was there. So we stayed there about six months until we were able to move into our own place. So I was reading 2 Corinthians in chapter 8, verse 11, just a few days ago, and it says, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Can I say that again? Finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. So what Paul's saying there is when you start something, finish it, because a lot of people are eager to jump into something but they don't complete it. Paul's writing about a gift committed to him by, at, uh, by the church at Corinth. He talks about completing the gift. Anybody that knows my wife knows that she likes to give. We try to always make sure we complete a gift giving. We don't regret having made the offer. We have the grace to complete it. But the lady with the wing stopped short of a completed gift. Why? probably fear that we take advantage of her or maybe her family was in her ear. They didn't approve. I don't know. We certainly forgave her a long, long time ago. Nay and I learned a valuable lesson that day, though, about completing what we promised. After all, God completed his promise to us with Jesus. Anything less would have been to our detriment, and that wouldn't be God's character. So when God calls on you to give something, you're going into it with eagerness you need to come out with the same eagerness to complete the gift. And sometimes it gets tough between the, oh, yeah, I'm going to give you $1,000 and the writing of the check. Sometimes it's kind of hard to do. So if I can encourage you in any way, shape, or form today with this podcast, that's this. Think about giving. Think about how giving works in your life, whether it's in the church, outside the church, wherever you give. But are you giving as you're told to? Are you making sure that other people are taken care of? And are you completing the gift? And finally, are you completing the reception of gifts that you've been given? A lot of good things to think about this week. At least I hope they're good things to think about. I'd love to hear from you. I have an email address. It's terry at quizthatis.com. You can reach me there. I would love it if you would subscribe to our podcast. Share it on Facebook or X. You know, that's what Twitter's called now is X. Uh, or also uh, you could show, uh, share it wherever you want to. I love that. And be sure to rate it on your favorite podcast app. And just a reminder for you that God has a plan for you, and we're here to help you find it. The Quiz That Is podcast is produced by Prosper Leadership. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe and let your friends know about Quiz That Is.